0: welcome to the elevate podcast i'm your host jessica hanlon an american branding photographer and brand strategist living abroad in stockholm sweden after spending seven years building a brand and business abroad i realized that many expat entrepreneurs have a hard time navigating their new life in another country and i want to show you how you can pave your own path when it seems like all the obstacles are in your way i feel so deeply that people need to hear the stories of entrepreneurs living abroad Their stories need to be heard and shared so that we can help people who are struggling to find work or wanna start a business to feel inspired by the stories of entrepreneurs who are actually doing the work. Get ready to go on a worldly journey with me where you'll hear of inspiring stories from global entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and business owners paving their own path and following their dreams wherever they are in the world so that you can be inspired to do the same thing too. Whether you're a small business owner or an inspiring entrepreneur, I want to help you find your path because when you elevate yourself, you elevate others around you. So come along and join us for inspiring stories, brand tips, and business growth tools to help you elevate yourself. You're listening to episode 19 of the Elevate Podcast. Welcome back to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Hanlon, photographer and brand coach for creative entrepreneurs. And I'm so excited about this episode because I have Amy Kellerman on the show, and she is sharing how she started the first sugaring service here in Sweden. She is a true example of someone who is doing the work to build a life of freedom and passion. If Amy could build this beauty empire, then you can too. Oh, and if I sound funny in this recording, it's because I had surgery on my mouth and I was still recovering during this episode recording. But I didn't want to reschedule this episode with Amy because she is a super busy woman. She's traveling all over the place, teaching other entrepreneurs how to uh, do sugaring. So I'm really excited to share her story, but before we get into this episode, I want to let you know more about Snap for Social, my signature course, which is a self-paced online course that teaches you how to build a personal brand with photos and video shot by you so that you can sell your products and services. And if you are just starting out in business, you need to build your buying audience first before actually selling to your audience. Now, don't get me wrong. You can sell to your audience, but if you haven't built the trust or the proof that you are who you say you are, it's going to make it harder to sell your offers and services. So if you are a business owner who is just starting out in business and you don't have a big budget for a brand shoot yet, Or maybe you're a business owner who has had a brand shoot, but you want to maintain your personal brand, then Snap for Social will show you everything you need to know about creating photos and video to promote your business. When you start taking your own photos with your phone or fancy camera, you'll have the flexibility to create content on your own when no one is around to help you. You'll also start to understand what your own brand voice is and you'll learn how to show up authentically as yourself, but more strategically. You'll also learn how to gain more confidence in front of the camera because you will be practicing your expression and poses when you are on your own. You'll learn how to make reels and video content that helps you grow your audience. And when you are ready to hire your professional photographer, you'll know exactly what kind of photos you wanna have for your business And you'll show up confidently to your brand shoot in snap for social. We work on mindset and I show you how to do the inner work to start taking yourself to the next level. Because when you start to work on yourself, you expand and evolve. This course is not just any social media course. It will give you the tools to actually be visible in your business because most people don't show up on social and sell because they lack confidence in themselves which then leads you to not creating content and not booking clients because they can't find you. And I don't want that for you. I want your business to thrive so that you can continue to create your life of freedom and passion doing what you love. You can find Snap for Social in the link in the show notes, or you can head to jessicahanlon.com slash Snap for Social. Now let's get into the interview with Amy. I'm super excited to have Amy Kellerman on the show today. She's a certified skin therapist and CEO of four beauty businesses, which is so interesting. I can't wait to learn more about this. And one of them is Sugar Me Aesthetics, an organic beauty salon in Stockholm, Sweden, and she has eight employees, which is also pretty incredible. And Sugar Me was born because Amy was an expat like me who couldn't speak Swedish. And today we are talking about her journey into starting her business and hopefully inspire another listener to pave their own path as Amy has. So welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. I really appreciate it. And I have to say it's such
1: an honor being with you on the show because listening to your episodes, it's so inspiring to hear that so many people are getting all this insightful information that only I wish that I had whenever we were doing, whenever we were moving here. So thank you so much for doing this.
0: Thank you. Um, Yeah, it just started because I felt like, well, one, there was a, a person who triggered this for me. Uh, to start. And I really felt like, you know, when I started my business, I also didn't know what I was doing. I had to kind of figure things out on my own. And then when I invested in online education and coaches, I was able to just, you know, make each step, you know, more advanced. And then you just kind of find yourself in another place than you were in the beginning. So first off, I want to know, how did you end up in Sweden? where are you from again?
1: So my name is Amy (laughs) Kellerman and I'm originally from Canada. I'm from the uh, capital, Ottawa. And I actually started out my journey moving to Sweden because I was working on a cruise ship. So Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. So I was based out of the Caribbean at the time. And I actually met this really good looking guy. Um, and his family, like his mom and his dad and his sister and um, (laughs) brother-in-law on the cruise ship that I was working on. And I'm, you know, very much a rule follower, but when you fall in love or when you're just head over heels in love with someone, you just can't help but follow your heart. Um, And I met the love of my life on the cruise ship. And we fell in love in like five days, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So we met, um, on the second day of a week cruise, and then we just hung out, um, by chance. I had to like, it was actually really difficult, um, dating a, a guest on the cruise ship because you're really not allowed as as an employee on the cruise line, you're really not allowed to cross that boundary. And, what I did is I pretended like I knew him from before and I kind of invited myself on um, their family dinner that they had. So that was our first date with him and his family, <laughs> which is kind of weird to oh to gosh. say it out loud. Um, but we had like five days to get to know each other. And by the end of the cruise, um, after five days, you know, we were basically in love and it was, yeah, um, so I still had seven. No, sorry. I still had five months left of my contract. So we would basically do this long distance relationship. And then about halfway through my contract, um, I decided to apply to Migrationsverket um, and become a resident of Sweden. Um, wow. So yeah, that's my story about how I ended up here. You know, I guess they call us love refugees, just like yourself, Jess.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I know. I- my husband and I met, and it happened so fast. I mean, I can't even get yeah. over how quick that happened. And I was like, I must be crazy. Like people think I'm crazy. Like, can it happen this fast? Yeah, it can. I mean, yeah, we've been married now 13 years. So wow. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Oh, that's amazing. So it can We're happen. S- we're celebrating 10 years this year. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. It's um, crazy.
0: That's so cool. So, okay. So when you so, applied to be in the migration, uh, mm-hmm. well, to get your residency, I guess. Yeah. Um, what happened? You Did you come and live in Sweden first or? Yeah.
1: So back then, like the process is very different from what I've learned from clients, um, how the process is today. Back then, it was so fast, like I was expecting like this could take, you know, easily a year. Um, and, but actually, it happened a lot faster than I suspected, so it took only two months oh, to get wow. approval. Um, and then I finished my contract, moved back to Canada, basically packed up my bags and moved over to Sweden because my thought process back then was like, I have no responsibilities. I was sort of this free spirit. Um, and I figured why not, if it doesn't work out, I could always go back home. So that's how I ended up here. Um, and it's been 12 years since I've moved here, which is crazy. My oh, mom reminds amazing. me all the time. You told me only two years. So.
0: <laughs> yes. So when you moved to Sweden, were you like, I'm going to get a job. Uh, everything's going to be great. Like, oh
1: yeah, I was so confident. Um, I have like all these awards, and I was so like proud of like all my accomplishments that I've had up until that point. I was always um, a top salesperson, winning like service awards, and I was very proud of all my all my accomplishments and things that I was capable of doing for me, it was like the sky's a limit. And I was so young and I guess not really suspecting what it would truly be like when you move to a new country with new culture, but most importantly, new language. I couldn't speak Swedish and I was thinking, Oh, they all speak English. It shouldn't be a problem at all. This was my thought back then. Um, but as I started applying, I focused first on, um, more like spa hotels and like really like touristy areas. So I live in Stockholm, um, which is a very international city in its own. And I figured, oh, it should be no problem to, you know, get a job quite easily at one of these spa hotels where there's, you know, a lot of international clients and guests. Um, And I'll never forget the day when this manager told me, she said, Amy, I love you. You have an impressive resume. You fit all the criteria that we're looking for, but come back when you can speak Swedish. Oh. And that was a slap in the face. And I, it's funny because part of me, I died inside and my heart sunk into my stomach. But at the same time, it gave me that much more encouragement and strength to mm-hmm. overcome what she said to me. And from that moment forward, I was more empowered by what she actually said because I felt like, okay, I'm going to make this a challenge. So I was at that point already trying to learn the language. I was going to SFE or SFI, Mm -hmm. so Swedish for immigrants. Um, And I am having a really hard time learning with that like method of teaching and I was dying and I'm so like I'm ADHD so I would lose focus and it's like I'm really trying here I'm trying to learn the book way but it just didn't really work for me um and in the end I finished I think one or two semesters or whatever the levels were called back then um But I felt like, okay, that was enough. At this point, it was like six months of education. That was enough for me. Um, The ways I was actually learning the most was by watching the news every morning, listening to the radio in Swedish, watching um, a lot of Swedish television shows. One television show that I can really recommend was um, one called Coming to Sweden. It I watched about that. This. Have you seen it too? <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's this yeah. American girl moving to Sweden. No, American no, it was guy, a guy moving <laughs> to Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was Solsidan.
0: Yeah, that one's funny. My kids love it's watching
1: good. that one. Yeah. yeah. And it was like an easy show that I could kind of gather like what they're talking about based on you know the situations that was happening and if there was a joke or something my husband starts laughing I'm like wait what did they say and he'd kind of clue me in about what just happened and then you know three minutes later I'm laughing too so a bit of a delay there yeah but this was life right coming here and you know you have to find new creative ways to try and learn this language So as an expat, you do what you can. You try and learn the language as quickly as you can. But realistically, like thinking about what she told me back then, it was like, how the hell am I going to learn this language as an adult, which is also more difficult as you get older Mm -hmm. to learn languages, at least for me, and try to start a career without knowing the language. So that really like hit me. And I'll never forget it. And I say that story quite often to other expats that I meet because it kind of can give you strength when you are faced with a difficult scenario. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit about my experience when trying to look for jobs. It was like time and time again, I started realizing I'm either not getting even a, um, an interview or let alone a meeting or the job that I was searching for. Um, It just wasn't happening. And I was really held back by not being able to speak Swedish and also not having a network as well. I think when people make hiring, and I know as well, because I have staff as well, you do take a risk by taking an expat because they don't have a network. They don't have friends. They don't have anybody in the industry. So therefore, they don't really have a clientele. They're coming to you as one person, and you as an employer have that responsibility to fill up their schedule with either current existing clients or help them market themselves and their capabilities in order to help them grow their clientele. Mm -hmm. So it is a big responsibility. And I completely resonate with what probably all these past managers that I have interviewed with had to sort of, you know, take that into consideration. So I, I don't I don't, I'm not angry with them making that decision, but I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, it gave me the strength and possibility to be where I am today. And I wouldn't have done that, I think, if I was employed. Because being an employer is so easy in some ways because you don't have the responsibility. You go to your job, you fulfill the duties, and you go home. Mm-hmm. As a business owner, as entrepreneurs, you wear so many hats You have so much responsibility and when you don't have clients, you are finding so many different ways, so many different sources of trying to market yourself. If I look back, back then when I first started my business, I was literally handing out flyers like the old school way. There was no Instagram (laughs) back then. There was none of these wonderful resources that we have today.
0: Oh my so god! It was a very different
1: relate. journey back then. You can yeah. too? Yeah. yeah. I
0: remember when I first came to Sweden and I got, a, like, I started my photography business. I was like, okay, how am I going to get clients now? I have no clue. And, you know, Instagram was still not what it was today. And exactly. so I remember printing out some flyers and I tell this story all the time, but I literally went to a park and yep. started putting them on light posts and they just flew away. It was like a super windy day and I was like so like ashamed. And I was like, really Jess? Like, are you really doing this? Like there's gotta be a better way. And so, you know, I had to start to get into social media and really start to figure out how to sell that. And it took time. But um but I'm curious though, like when you when were you working it, as like a skin therapist on the cruise ships is that exactly. what you were doing yeah okay, so, so you I was had that background mm-hmm. okay yeah
1: so I did my aesthetics um diploma in Canada and worked at a few different spas. um, And I really fell in love with skin at this medical clinic that I worked at. It was a medical aesthetics uh, clinic. And I just really fell in love with how deep you can dive into really like treating problematic skin conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really inspired by the work that she was doing. And I really wanted to be a part of that journey. Um, But at the time I was really wanting to spread my wings first before I really dove deeper into that. And I saw the opportunity to go work on a cruise ship. Mm. So I was hired along... um, Actually, you're employed by this company called Steiner. um, and They're based out of the UK. So I traveled to Europe for the first time ever. Never been, you know, to Europe ever. So going to London, assuming, oh, all of Europe is so warm, you know, so naive. I think it was in like November... At the time. And so I went there in this really teeny tiny jacket in London, freezing my butt off, doing the training as an esthetician. I never worked so hard in my life. I just have to say, like working on those cruise ships, it was the most difficult working conditions anyone will ever have. We were starting our meetings at seven o'clock, taking clients at eight o'clock, working until nine o'clock at night with a one hour break. Um, And then doing the cleanup tasks from 9 to 10. Mm -hmm. And then from 10 until 3 in the morning, you're partying all night. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because you got to have a life.
1: (laughs) Oh, you're living your best life. Like, you know, you're just having the greatest time. Everybody's on the same boat where you are literally, um, you know, you have nobody, no responsibilities. And you're just having the greatest time. Um, But you do work six days a week. So you have one day off a week. Mm -hmm. um, And you either divide that into two half days or you are allowed to have one full day.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty brutal.
1: Yeah. So I did two contracts. Um, My first one was all in the Caribbean. And the second one, it was starting in the Caribbean where I met my husband. And then we did the transatlantic. So he actually flew back from Sweden Um, Met me on the cruise ship, and then we spent two weeks together, which was the longest time we ever spent together. Um, And we crossed the Atlantic together, and then we were based out of the Mediterranean for the rest of my contract. So, you know, good old Ryanair, he would, when he would have a week (laughs) off, he'd fly down and meet me wherever the cruise was kind of ported for the day, and we'd spend the day together. Yeah. Um yeah, so working as a skin therapist, you know, working in a spa environment, it sounds so lovely and it is, but you do so much. You
0: do so much. Wow, I didn't I didn't even think about that. I've never been on a cruise yeah. and well, I've okay. been on one of the the cruises that you can go from Finland or Sweden oh, to yeah. Finland. Yeah, the last time I did that was when I was 12. Okay, and I actually dislike boats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah so I am not I a boat it. person I wish I could go on a cruise but like that to me just sounds like too confined like yep. I would probably be like get yeah. me off this thing like so after these week. are
1: cruise ships with like over 5,000 people that's they're insane. massive like they're so big I think on average there are about 15 decks high that's crazy um the last one I was on, I think it was like 21 decks. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's a little city on the water. Um, so you, it's impossible to feel confined because it's so big. Yeah. Um, and then of course they have like these stabilizers on the, on the really big cruise ships. So you never feel them moving.
0: Yeah. That's uh, yeah. I, I yeah. don't know if I'm you st- have to convinced try it. yet, but, uh. Uh- <laughs> I know. Um, Okay. So let me just take you back to when you started your Sugar Me um, location, your business, because this is the part that I'm really curious about was like, when did you say, okay, I'm not going to get a job doing this. I just need to like do this for myself. Exactly. What was that moment like for you?
1: Well, it was that manager telling Mm -hmm. me that you fit the criteria, you're perfect, but you don't speak Swedish. So that was kind of my like, okay. so if no one's going to hire me, I need to go out there and do it for myself because this is my industry. This is what I'm good at. I'm not ready to take on a new career. This is what I want to do. And I'm passionate in it. Um, and at that moment, um, I actually remember I was like walking around. I was by myself. My husband was working. I was just walking around trying to see what other salons were doing. And I noticed the same thing, the same services, the same branding, the same white, boring walls, white furniture. Everything was white. There was no character. And I wasn't very Swedish. <laughs> It was very (laughs) Swedish and that's fine if that's what you like, but I come from a background of being so exposed to so many different styles. So I think like I was very inspired by different things. And so what I did with all my background is I kind of picked the things that I valued. I valued the service. I valued the, um, you should still be able to have a clinical treatment in a spa environment. So I really wanted to combine this like, coziness and welcoming um, in the walls, like literally in the characters of the built business. And then I also wanted the services to reflect what that was kind of um, visual, visually seeing. Um, and what I mean by that is I was also looking at what other salons were doing in terms of their brands and services everyone was doing the same facials so it was like a classic facial they called it this was a deep cleansing facial with pore extractions and that is so boring for me who has already been through all of that and i think like as a north american you're so exposed to so much technology and like advanced treatments that are readily available and also Mm -hmm. working alongside like the Germans and the British people that I was working with on the cruise ships. So I was so eager to bring new services that didn't already exist in Sweden. So that's sort of how Sugar Me started. So it was first like, I'm gonna create a space that is very welcoming, very warm, feeling very comfortable from the moment they walk in. But also I want those services to still be high level and clinical and result driven But I also recognize the Swedish way as well. So I also was very inspired that Sweden is so much better than Canada, even where I'm from. And I know definitely in America, Um, they were better at recycling. Um, There was like vegan was like a really hot thing when I first came here and being like natural and organic. This is what the Swedish culture people, you know, really liked and they were very good at those things. And I was inspired by that. So I took all my past experiences, passions, brands, technology. I wanted to bring something here that I knew that the Swedish people really valued. So then I kind of took all of that and combined it together and created a really organic beauty salon. Um, Everything from the brands that I chose... Um, these brands need to be giving back to the, to the environment in some way, whether they are being certified vegan or reef safe, all of these things really meant a lot to me. Um, and I saw that our clientele really appreciated that as well. So just giving back to the environment and to the people, um, and focusing on the things that I'm really good at and really passionate in as well, both in the professional treatments, but also their home care plan as well.
0: That's amazing, though. I think that's really cool that you were able to combine the Swedish, you know, cultural background and and bring in your take, because I think you do have to be considerate of like where you are in terms of like the city that you're in. Everybody's different. And if you kind of just bring in what you are and what you know and just say, it's going to be like this, it may not be received the same way.
1: So I think that's great
0: that you did that. And so did you, when you got your location... How did you find it? Like, did you have to take a loan or something just to even, like, open up Mm. your salon? Was that something that you were, like, considering? I mean, because that's a really big deal to get your own location. And that's a big investment, right?
1: Yeah. So my first step was... I had a very limited budget, of course, so I was able to found a really great location. It was a teeny tiny room. I think it was no bigger than like 10 square meters. Okay. It was very small, um, but it was in a prime location. It was in Östermalm, it's called, mm-hmm. um, which is like the heart of Stockholm. Um, and you have a lot of businesses and very wealthy. Um, it's a very wealthy area, upbeat area and so i moved into my teeny tiny room but i was focusing only on sugaring hair removal so if you're not familiar with sugaring hair removal um first of all in sweden this was a brand new untouched market which means that there was no the only alternative to sugaring was waxing Mm -hmm. and back then there was nobody really doing intimate hair removal there was one girl that i know was doing a lot of brazilians but she was doing waxing Um, And I, I know the differences so well. I personally would never do waxing again because sugaring is just so much less painful amongst many other things. Um, But that one thing, of course, I would not like to inflict unnecessary pain on someone if I have the capability of doing something (laughs) way better. So it was a journey to bring in this new service, but that's why I actually started that business only focusing on sugaring. So as much as I love skin and I'm a total nerd, you know, doing that route, if I was to do skincare, care, um, it's a massive investment. First of all, buying products both for professional use and needing to sell the retail mm-hmm. is very, very expensive as an initial investment. So first of all, getting your location, I was able to get a pretty reasonable Rent back then, I was only paying like 5,000 kroners a month. Oh, wow.
0: Which is crazy cheap in that area.
1: So I was really lucky. Um, But my initial um, investment was very minimal because with sugaring, I only needed a bed, I needed the sugar warmer, and the supplies. Whereas if I wanted to go the skincare route, which ultimately is my passion, it's a bigger investment. And also, I didn't have a clientele, I knew Mm. nobody. I knew nobody and my husband is not from Stockholm. He's from the West coast of Sweden. So he had only been living in Stockholm for I think a year at that point. Um, So he was kind of new to the city as well. So we had no network. I had no clientele. Um, I was this, you know, English speaking person in this new city, new country and had no clientele. So buying a skincare brand wasn't really the smart route taking on something that's brand new really elevated me to be this unique person and this, you know, new thing, because it's like, mm-hmm. here's this English speaking expat with this new service. I think it was really um, exciting for people when they heard about it. Um, but it, t- it was a slow process, but I was lucky because I was renting a room From another skin therapist who was only doing face. She was only doing Mm, facials. Okay. So she was hosting this um, event. It was um, a private event that she was inviting like all her friends and uh, her clientele. And luckily for me, her friends are all these, they're called Shendisar. They are (laughs) really well-known Stockholm um, people. Um, usually have pretty big wallets and I at the time had no idea who all these people are and luckily I just got in contact with the right people and once they tried sugaring I was testing it on people's arms so once they tried it they were like oh my god this is amazing everybody signed up and it just took those five really good clients Mm -hmm. that boomed my business within six months I was Definitely overworked. I was overly booked. If I went away for vacation, it kind of kicked me in the butt because there started to become more people um, doing sugaring, but unfortunately, they were still new at it. And so, what happened is if clients ended up going to these people who weren't really experienced, I'd hear all these horror stories by the time I get back. So, I realized at that point that I can't keep working myself like this because I will hit the wall and I know when to recognize that you need to respect yourself as well, that you, you need time off as well, right? As much as you want the business to grow and you're so hungry for it to succeed, you can't do this ultimately long-term on your own. I'm sure you can. You have to
0: scale then because I mean, you are one person, right? And like, you can only take your business so far if you're one person offering a one-to-one service. Like I get this too, because for me as a photographer, I can only do one-to-one, you know, with so many people before you get burned out or like you're overworked. Yeah, And for me, like I was like, okay, I took on a million jobs in the beginning too. I was like, yes, I'm going to make this yeah. work. And then at some point I was like, no, this doesn't work. I'm I'm yeah. like starting to, you know, feel like I'm burning out. Like I don't want to sure. do like 20 photo shoots a month. I need to have a certain amount that comes in and just know that if I prepare, like make my packages the right price point, get the right clients, they're yeah. going to make up for what I need. And then, you know, go from there and then of course like scaling through education which is what you're doing now which is amazing like now that like you have this business you have your employees you started doing the education but how long have you been doing the education so the
1: education happened um oh what year was that Oh, it's been some years now that I've been educating. What happened with that route, though, was because recognizing that I can do sugaring, but sugaring at the end of the day was still this new thing that nobody really knew. And I knew that the more businesses that were providing really good sugaring, the actually, the more marketing I will get, the more business I will get. Because at the end of the day, I was always the first one to offer sugaring. And I think people really value that. Um, but what I did is I then took a step back from doing those one-on-one services, I, used, as you had mentioned, um, and I had staff at that point. So I was able to then pass on my clients to my staff, and then it was educating other businesses. So then I started up my other company, which is called Savvy Sugaring. And Savvy Sugaring was born on the point that really good education is so crucial for the success of a new service. Because if there's too many people out there who are either self-taught or poorly taught, what ends up happening is that they're doing the wrong technique and they could be injuring people. They could be giving them really bad results. And at the end of the day, if those other businesses are doing maybe the wrong technique or they could be doing it better, Um, That actually can hurt my business as well, because people end up walking around and saying sugaring is more painful than waxing or sugaring is not as good as it sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because too many businesses were taught by people who didn't know how to sugar in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's when I realized I need to start teaching. I'm passionate in teaching. I've always loved doing it. So I became an educator. I went back to Canada, became an educator and then came back to Sweden and really focused on doing that. Um, And then I was actually given the really amazing opportunity of becoming the distributor for the brand that I wholeheartedly really value Um, this brand that I'm using. It's called Tamra's sugar. Um, And Tamra's is really, really on the same page as I am. She's really focused on getting her products uh, certified in being fair trade, it's certified organic, it's vegan, it's uh, certified leaping bunny. So it really has a lot of core values that I actually really admire. Um, so I became the distributor for that brand. Um, because I know that it works. It's a product that I know is always going to be consistent. And I think when you're running a professional business, it needs to stand up to what you should expect that product to be. You don't have time to fiddling around trying to figure out if this is going to be what it should be. Um, And I've worked with so many other sugaring brands before. So um, I was, yeah, I was really honored to have that opportunity. And I was thinking, you know what, if I'm teaching, Might as well teach with the product that I really stand beside and behind. Um, So that just became a really another way of um, generating more income and more work, of course.
0: Yeah. No, that's amazing. And, you know, when I was um, trying to understand what sugaring was, because I was like, okay, I've seen you on Instagram and I see it looks like honey and it's like gooey. Yeah. And it looks like you can play with it and all this stuff. And so I just typed in like, what is it like? And then I learned about it. And like it's an old Egyptian it technique. It is. Yep. So it's really like something that's been around for a very long time. Very like long really, time. Really like Cleopatra time, before, right? Yeah. Or like waxing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really interesting. And so yeah. when I did type in, I saw all these different products and, and I was like, whoa, I didn't realize how big it yeah. was. So exactly. Um. So that's why I was curious like, you yeah. know, when you are sugaring, like what, I mean, how is it that, what's, what makes it more different yeah. than waxing? Okay, so I'll tell
1: you because for those <laughs> who are listening, you maybe never heard about sugaring. So um, in North America, where I'm from in Canada, it's a very popular, very booming um, service. Um, but what it is, is it's basically, it's a product material that is, first of all, it's a hair removal alternative to traditional waxing. Um, so it is extracting hair, that is the purpose but it is based on sugar, citric acid, and water, so it's an edible product as well, which means that it's also good for your skin, it's good for the environment, it's literally water-soluble, so it just melts away with water. There's absolutely no impact on the environment at all. No more sticks, no more strips, no chemical wax removers, so all of those consumable expenses as a business owner is also out the window. Um, We use biodegradable gloves, Um, So you're really tapping into that environment that is really like eco-friendly and Mm -hmm. very, you know, those clientele who really value that as well. Um, So it's at the end of the day for your consumers, it's basically, it's a lot less painful. It lasts longer than traditional waxing. Um, You're extracting the hair in the natural direction, just like you do when you're tweezing your eyebrows. Mm -hmm. So you would never go against the direction of hair growth. You would always pull it in the natural direction. Um, So therefore, when you're pulling it out in the natural direction, it actually will last longer because you're really pulling it out from the root. You're not disrupting the follicle, which means that you won't get any more ingrown hairs like you Mm -hmm. might from traditional waxing or shaving. Um, So it's a really nice product to work with because you know that it's not having any environmental impacts. It's also really good for your client's skin. It's essentially a peel. It's a professional peel for your body. You can use it literally from head to toe, all skin types, all hair types. I mean, pregnant clients, eczema clients, um. Everybody I'm, can do yeah,
0: it. Yeah. I've even seen like um in private groups where I'm like you know parent groups yep. where some people are like my kid has like lots of hair yeah and they want to oh, remove yeah. it like how yep. young can they be like I mean of yep. course this could be a better alternative than going and doing like a lasering oh, for or something. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean kids really shouldn't be doing laser at yeah. all. Um. So sugaring is a natural form and. I'm very open with my children as well. They know what sugaring is very well, of course. Um, But if my kids ever wanted to have their hair removed, I would rather them, of course, do sugaring instead of shaving. Shaving has um, a lot of risks for, first of all, cutting yourself. Um, As a parent, yeah, you want to give them the best and safest option. So it's nice that sugaring, it just ticks off everybody's box, basically as a client, but also as a practitioner, when you're working with it, you can work a lot more efficiently, you know, you're not inflicting unnecessary pain on your clients. As a business owner, the initial investment is very, very minimal. Um, But education is key. Mm. And that is where I really knew that if I'm going to have sugaring in this new market in Sweden, it needs to be taught correctly because there's too many people out there that are doing the wrong technique, which is causing more pain for your clients. And it's also causing issues for the branding of sugaring hair removal. Mm
0: -hmm. And this
1: is what I felt was really important to me. So I started, um, savvy sugaring, focusing on the Scandinavia market. Uh, so Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Finland. So I was traveling around quite a bit Um, And then I became pregnant and I realized, you know, traveling wasn't that easy. (laughs) And then later on, I actually started a online um, education company called Savvy Certification. Um, And I focus on intimate hair removal because intimate hair removal is highly profitable. Mm -hmm. It is also a service where people are very loyal to their esthetician. They don't want to see just anybody. No. They always want to see <laughs> not the same when people. you're
0: like showing your goodies. No,
1: exactly. <laughs> Only a few people get to see those goodies. So yeah, it's a yeah, it's a service that is you know it's very fast. It's a very intimate service. You as a practitioner, you're really able to give that woman this amazing feeling of feeling really good. You give confidence. And I think that's what every esthetician maybe has in common is that you want to deliver a service that is going to make them feel good and look good at the same time. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really strong value that we have.
0: Yeah. Um, So how does somebody get certified?
1: So you can, if you're in Scandinavia, you can either choose if you want to do a in-person training alongside the online portion Or if you don't have an educator capable in your area, you can always do the fully online certification. um, And that's through Savvy Sugaring. So you can actually get certified fully online. All you have to do is you have to order your starter kit. And it's funny going back with what you and I had kind of talked about earlier in the conversation that, you know, everybody has a different learning potential. And I recognize that. So I created this online program, which is really going to tap into everybody's capabilities of learning. So it's very visual. It's very engaging. There's quizzes through the entire program. Um, There's a lot of downloadable resources. There's a lot of marketing resources. I poured my heart and soul into this program. Um, And my business partner as well, um, Jesse Mitchell, he's also a, he's really He's very savvy in um, marketing and he's very tech savvy and he has all that business entrepreneurship um, based on his background and being in the corporate world. So we've really combined our two expertises and created this awesome online certification program. And it was recognized by our industry's um, organization. It's, it's a global organization. Um, it's called sedesco International. And anybody who's an esthetician and you're a professional, you absolutely will know about Sadesco. So it's a really huge honor to have that.
0: Um,
1: So they approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in leading the sugaring hair removal um, category, which means that we will be getting it into all of the um, beauty schools across the world. So it's a big responsibility, but it's like, I'm like you, Jess. I'm like, bring it on. <laughs> what, what work? <laughs> I think like at the end of the day, if you have a passion, like you just run with it. You're like, yeah. you know, it'll, there'll be some bumps along the road. It's not going to be easy. It hasn't been easy. No. There's very little hours available, especially when you're a mom. Mm. You know, our kids are yeah. young. They need us. But once they're in bed, we're right back at our computer. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's life. What would you, what would
0: you say is like, has been the hardest part about owning your own business?
1: I guess the hardest part for me is I've probably figuring out how to say no, Mm. because when things fall on your lap and like, you've been waiting for it for a long time. And if it's falling on your lap, there's never really any right time to do these big projects Mm, it's like having kids i basically will always relate my businesses as my children there's never a good time to have a kid and there's never a good time to have a business there really isn't because running your own business means that you need to be available 24 7 um my businesses as they are now on a global level that they aren't just within my time zone As yourself as well, Mm. you might have customers that are online that are in a different time zone, and you need to get back to them within 24 hours, because you value them and that business relationship. So I think the hardest part thus far, and I'm still trying to figure that out is figuring out when is too much. And maybe a psychologist can answer that for me, but, (laughs) but I'm just such a left brainer. Like as my personality, I am just eager and hungry and I feel like I'm in the middle of my career and I don't want to ever skip a beat and miss out on opportunities. So I, I guess the hardest part right now is just saying like, if it's too much. Yeah. And I I don't think I'm that person to ever say no to a really good opportunity. So
0: yeah,
1: I'll let you know when I figure that out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's really important is to learn to put like boundaries on like what yeah. you can do and what you can't do. But of course, if like a really amazing opportunity shows up, you have to kind of weigh out if it's like worth it or not. And sometimes yeah. you're like, but I may never get this opportunity again. So I'm just going to like add it to the you know, the stack of things that I have going on. But, you know, you kind of have to pick and choose. But I guess a lot of people, you know, it's not like every day that happens to everybody. So, you know, you're just leading the way for other people as well, showing Mm -hmm. people that it's possible to start something. And you started in a little room and now you have all of this under your belt that you probably just never even realized would happen, but it just happened because when you were passionate... You niche down into one kind of yeah. thing and from there you were able to expand right because now you offer Absolutely. different services and so like you know sometimes you do have to niche down in your business to yeah. basically be known for something and then you can open up the rest because you already built like your clientele and stuff so yeah um, i would also
1: say like t- talking on that matter as well like what else is difficult i think when you are a small business owner you tend to take on a lot of responsibilities. And I'm at the point right now where I'm realizing I can't keep up with like the social media. That is something that I'm struggling with. And I know that there are professionals out there out there that can really help me with that. I have four businesses that need to be posting every single day mm-hmm. according to um, what professionals are saying and what your followers need. And when you're trying to run too many businesses and have a life at the same time, Running your social media is a key importance in being successful because you need to be able to market yourself. You need to show up every single day, and at the same time, there's so many different um, there's so many different ways people can get a hold of you nowadays. Oh my so gosh! Yeah, <laughs> it's like exhausting. You know, we've tried so many different programs, like Help Scout being one of them. I know there's HubSpot. There's all all these different tech things out there. But even that as well, you have to manage. At Mm. some point, you need to hand over that task to a professional, like a content manager. So I think I'm getting at that point where I need help. And I would say that's something that I need to, that would be my next phase of trying to figure out to get some more freedom, because that's at the end of the day, part of the reason why you become a business owner is because you you want that financial freedom, but also that freedom for your own life as well. You want to be able to take off vacation and just be free for a while, but you yeah. can't if you don't have people to do that for you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so what would you four recommend? businesses. <laughs> well, yeah, with four businesses, I think that would be really hard to keep up with different channels. I I would definitely if you have the budget to outsource, outsource it and have somebody help you but maybe keep one like your main your personal Mm, one that you want to use to promote the rest Mm -hmm. because then you can just focus on that one because I think as a founder and a business owner people want that connection with you the person um, and that's going to be the one thing that sells you to everybody that's the reason why they're going to pick you to be the teacher the 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 person that does the sugaring for them right yeah so I think that you know. I would pick like maybe the other, you know, the other three and just have somebody Mm. help you with that and then focus on yours. Or maybe they can kind of create some content for you on your personal, but you do like the stories. That way you still maintain that close connection with people because that's what people want. They want to be connected to the person that's in the business who's running things because they're inspired by you. Right. So,
1: and I guess that's why it's been so hard to let that go Mm -hmm. is because you know that nobody can run your business the way you can. And that goes the same for marketing as well. Nobody will ever be able to have the same voice that you have, Yeah. you know, now with all this like different like AI and, you know, chat GPT things. Oh it's like gosh, at the end of the crazy. day, you know, <laughs> yes, those are really great resources. But if you use those, you need to be able to still give your input and your own voice. And I know it's going to be the same thing with hiring a content creator too, because that work isn't just done. You still need to create it. You still need to generate that photography, the filming, the text, the ideas. All of that is still coming from well, from you yeah
0: yeah yeah you just need to start creating like folders on like uh, gmail oh. or, or in uh, google yes. drive or something and like
1: True. put it all
0: together upload it and be like can you just do something with this like
1: here you go <laughs> do it
0: do it i have like my notes in my on my uh, computer and on my phone and i just yep. like you can just copy all of that and upload it and just be like this is my voice it. make something out of it you know yeah but like Yeah. It's definitely hard to maintain that. And I haven't outsourced this part either because I'm like, no, I want to be able to control that part. Exactly. Um, And I realized like, cause I, I have an online course, which is called Snap for Social. And I'm, I'm teaching entrepreneurs how to take, like create the content because sometimes people don't even understand like the good lighting. They don't understand how to produce like a video what are the steps to producing a good video? And then like, you know, because not everybody is meant to be a marketer for their business. For they, sure. they started their business because they're good at one thing. But then, you know, as tech has expanded, yep. we all became marketers. Every single person who has oh, a business sure. has a brand. As much as I didn't brand. want
1: to. No. Yeah, yeah I didn't exactly. want to. I didn't want to do Instagram back then. I was like, I am not doing Instagram. It's enough but then yeah. I realized the next generation, they need that. That's they're not Googling anymore. They're jumping yeah. on Instagram. And so, like you when you created this course, Jess, I'm also amazed that you have done that because the amount of money that people put into trying to take those courses, you know, um, where you are maybe just learning photography and then you're just learning like content creation. Like there's your course, it sounds like you're basically consolidating it all into one program which makes entrepreneurs be able to use their own resources instead of maybe hiring a photographer which you can easily pay like for one photo shoot I've paid like 10,000 kroners for Mm -hmm. and it's it is expensive but your equipment costs a lot your lighting costs a lot your time costs a lot so I I understand why photography is expensive and why filming is expensive for my courses that I've created I've paid like close to 100,000 just for one course, 100,000 Swedish kroners. And it's very expensive. But if you're a new startup business, like I was in that teeny tiny
0: room, you don't have
1: a budget back then. Mm -hmm. You're brand new. So I wish your course existed back then.
0: Yeah, because no, we I, didn't and have I, that. I created it for people that are just starting out, but also yeah. anybody who is advanced as well, who is like, OK, I've invested in a brand shoot. I just okay. need to maintain because what I realized as just being the photographer is that people will invest in a brand shoot and they will make their website look amazing and then What I noticed, and I don't know why, but this is just an outsider view, is that people don't want to look too perfect on social media. So they wanted to learn. They started like showing up, but they were really bad photos, really poorly lit, super dark, Mm. blurry. I mean, out of focus. And then I was like, ah, like, I know you have these nice photos. Why aren't you putting them online? Why aren't you putting it on Instagram? And like, I realized, is there like some sort of shame to look professional? So I started to question these things as a photographer because- You know um on instagram or even on facebook or whatever like you know for me aesthetics matter i i want it to look nice but at the same time like things have changed so much that your instagram does not have to look perfect but the thing Mm -hmm. is is like you do need to understand the basics of lighting and how to make the images look better so if you can kind of if you have these nice elevated photos on your website and they come to your instagram or wherever And they don't look the same. It looks kind of like a watered down version of you. Like you can still enhance it. So for me, it's like a branding course teaching people about the foundations of building a personal brand. And then leading them through how to take photos for the business. Because actually some people are like interior designers. They have like fitness programs that they need to film and they don't understand how it works. So I just created these courses to help them to maintain this part. So yeah, it's kind of like, you know, business 101. You want to have like the intro level thing and then you take them to the next level. And the next level. Because you have to keep walking people through your business. You don't want them to come once. And then not come back. Right. So exactly. you want to tr- treat them to different services, just like mm-hmm. you do. I'm mm-hmm. sure you have like your lower priced item to your very yeah. highest price. And yeah. like that's how business works. So right. you need to be able to think in that way. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that's really cool that you've managed to build this life here in a different way than most people. And you've created something, you know, where all the doors were shutting on you and, yeah. you know, and you managed to do something with it. So that's pretty Absolutely. amazing. So Thank kudos you. to you. And like, Thanks. I'm just so glad that you were able to share your your path. Yeah. And um, I'm just wondering, like, if you uh, so w- one quick question was, is like, okay. when you have your um, your courses and stuff, and you do you do live trainings here in Stockholm as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so, we, so if somebody
0: is here and wants right. to learn how yep. to do this, start yep. their own little side gig if they're like, yep. okay, nobody's hiring me because I hear this story exactly. a lot.
1: Yeah. So, actually, it's really interesting. Yep. So, Sweden is one of the countries where you actually don't have to be a skin therapist to be able mm-hmm. to do hair removal. Okay. And it's the same thing for nails. You don't have to be a skin therapist to do nails. Mm-hmm. Um, You just have to go and take a certification course. So our course you can find um, at SavvySugaring.se. And there you can sign up for, it's called a two-step program. So step one, you're basically doing all of the theory, everything getting you prepped for fully understanding what sugaring is, how to do it, all the techniques that you need. um, Also all of those resources that you need to start your business. Um, And then step two, you meet with your in-person trainer um, and your trainer is teaching you all that live aspect of learning the technique, which is everything from covering all body parts. Um, And then at the end of your education, then you're asked to do an online um, theory exam which is basically all the things that you would have learned throughout your course anyway. And once that's done, then you basically are certified and everything you can purchase through the same website. So SavvySugaring.se. When you purchase your education in Scandinavia, you also get your starter kit, which is included. Um, And if you're outside of Scandinavia, then you can also do your certification through um, SavvyCertification.com. And that website, you can learn everything fully online, um, and also have more resources. So if you still wanted to do that in person, um, so we can also set you up with a, an in-person coach as well in your area. That's amazing. And yeah. what,
0: what do you think has done, like, how has sugaring helped other people like starting a business? Well, I think have you had any like really amazing success stories of like incredible changing people's lives.
1: I have so many stories, like, like uh, there's going to be lots of stories, just like myself, where you're an expat and you're coming to a new environment and there's no job available for you. Um, Sugaring is still a niche service. So I think even if you, if you have done other careers, like this can be a perfect side hustle because it will give you the opportunity to meet people. What Mm -hmm. I've noticed, like, first of all, with my staff that I have today, um, at Sugar Me Aesthetics in Stockholm. So our staff, I have a lot of expats that work for me. And what's cool about them is that those expats bring so much experience and culture to the business Sugar Me in itself, but also it allows them to network with our clients. So you're really able to build those sl- those close connections with these people from all different industries. And it just takes one person. It mm-hmm. takes one person to meet to be able to offer you that opportunity. And I think that's what it comes down to because when you're new to a new country, you don't have a network. So starting this side hustle might give you that opportunity to meet the right person to then take your passions and focus on your career instead. But this is a great opportunity, but I've also seen, you know, businesses, really big successful businesses who have done traditional waxing for years and years and years. And they're, they take it in because maybe their staff think it's going to be this great thing, but they never envisioned how much it can actually scale your business. It's Mm. crazy because hair removal in itself is a service that we noticed during the pandemic. So there's two things. Pandemic has taught us that there's two services that women, especially will always do. And that's hair removal and that's hair treatments on your head. Mm. So as a, esthetician, you're going to cut back on expenses such as skincare treatments, maybe. Maybe you won't do as much massage. So those services will scale back a bit, but sugaring or hair removal in general is going to be a service that will always be needed. And I think for a business who is either startup or successful and still doing waxing, if they transitioned over to sugaring, their clientele is going to grow. Um, They're going to reduce their expenses because they no longer need the excessive amount of wax. So Mm -hmm. sugaring, you only need one ball of sugar to cover literally multiple body parts. Wow. And the cost is very little. So they're reducing their expenses. They're increasing their clientele. They're providing a high level service. So, and the staff are so happy to be working with us. So I've seen like very successful businesses switch from waxing to sugaring and they come back to me, and they show me their numbers. Okay, so data does not lie, right? Mm -hmm. Results do not lie. So whether someone says something, that's one thing, but when they show you the numbers, it's mind-blowing. Like to see people's businesses double or triple, that's when you realize that something has happened, and the only thing that changed was bringing in sugaring, and those clients suddenly are are, you know, if they are sourced by starting from trying sugaring, then those clients are now also doing all their other beauty treatments. Mm. So it's a really great way to build your clientele and retain them to do all the other services.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. Thank you it's so, so much for sharing this. <laughs> I mean, I really am so happy to have you on the show because I've Thank I've interviewed you. so many different kinds of people, but I haven't gotten into the beauty and like, you know, skin. I've I've interviewed yeah. more like online educators and so I really want to value sure. your perspective Thank as you. a business owner and I will put all the info in the show notes on how to find Amy and all her different businesses, and how she can help you as well. Um, So thank you so much for being on the show and being here sharing your story.
1: Thank you very much, Jess.